Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you and we pray that our hearts would be directed to worship you now, that we would be excited to hear a word from you. Father, that you would take the, the words from your scripture and directly affect change within our hearts. May we learn to love the way you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm Pastor Daniel, and it's a privilege to be able to share with you tonight uh, the second week of our worship series called Love Loud. Sometimes I, fig- uh, I feel like things get done and they, uh, they don't get really appreciated the way they should. And, and that last song we just sang was written this week for this worship service, for this Love Loud series. And I'm just so thankful that God uh, placed this message on Angela as she as she wrote that song and performed it here, or led us to, to sing it together for the first time here. What a wonderful song, and uh, great truths are taught in that song. Last week, we learned a vital truth as we endeavor to go throughout this summer learning how to love loud. We learned that we can't do it alone. It's something that God has to do through us as we are to live anointed, That means that the Holy Spirit is to be living within us and empowering us to do that which God wants us to do. So we can't love loud if we're trying to do this on our own. This week we're going to build on that as we will every week because if you leave God out of the picture, what's the point? This week we're going to see that God wants us to love loud and he wants us to love the outcast. Loving those who might even be considered unlovable. And it's easy for us as humans to look around us, to see the things that are going on, and to make judgments as to this is why this is happening. But oftentimes within the the realm of Christianity or within the faith of Christianity, we forget a vital truth that what we see happening around us isn't the ultimate reality. Our enemy isn't a flesh and blood enemy. And so I want us to build upon the Holy Spirit from last week, and I want us to see that there is another reality that God invites us to live within. Don't let this scare you. I'm not talking about an out-of-this-world experience, but what I am talking about is an experience that takes us out from the grips of the world we see and an experience that takes us to see reality the way God sees it. So before we jump into loving the outcast, we need to look at the baptism of Jesus briefly to see this other reality to set us up for loving the outcast. And Mark chapter 1 is where we'll be in chapter 1 and chapter 2, so if you want to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, I invite you to do that. If not, the words will be on the screen for you to follow. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 9, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John, John the Baptist, in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. And the Spirit, this is speaking of the Holy Spirit, descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. And this voice said this, You are my beloved Son. 
with you I am well pleased. This phrase, the heavens being torn open, many times we envision that Jesus looked up and there was this wormhole type tunnel and he looked up through there and he saw into heaven. But if we remember the teaching we've gone throughout on heaven throughout the last several weeks, we know that heaven isn't up there, out there in outer space. That's not what God was saying. He wasn't giving Jesus this window up to a place that was out in another space. It would be more appropriate for us to understand heaven is, is not another location, but a different reality, a reality where God is behind a perceived reality that we have. It would be more appropriate for us to imagine an invisible curtain that is right in front of us right now, and suddenly God pulls it back, and instead of seeing a, a church building, instead of seeing pews or this beautiful ornate woodwork behind me, we see something very different. We see a reality of where God's presence is fully known. A heavenly reality. Now as a Christian, this is where faith comes in. Much of our lives requires us to learn to live by a different reality even when we cannot see it. Sometimes God does pull back the curtain for us. And we're able to see past the facade of what we perceive to be real. But many times we have to accept what is reality by faith. And we take the truths that Jesus has and instead of keeping them in the Scriptures or instead of keeping them out there, the challenge for us now as Christians is to say, God, how is it that you are wanting to change me? And Jesus, when I see you teaching in the Scriptures, how is it that you're teaching me today? And how can the words change me and us to allow Him to shape us into the person that He's created us to be and to discover this hidden dimension that God has for us? Our baptism should be a lot like Jesus's. Anybody see a dove descending at their baptism? It should be like His in many ways. I'm not sure if that's exactly what we're shooting for here. But it should be the moment when God pulls back the curtain and we're able to see that there is a reality that is far beyond what our human eyes can see. But it should also remind us of this, that when we are baptized in Christ, the same voice that Jesus heard speaks to us. The same voice looks at us and says, You are my beloved child. And in you, I, God the Creator of all, I am well pleased in you. That makes me feel good. I don't know about you. Because I've done things as a child and even as an adult that I needed to be rebuked for. But when God sees me in Christ, He no longer sees an object that is worthy of His wrath but he sees an object or a person who is deserving of God's love because Jesus is deserving of God's love. Not because I am. A life-changing moment for us at baptism. And when we understand this truth, then we're going to start living differently. We're going to start loving people differently. We're going to be empowered like Jesus so much so that after Jesus was empowered with the Spirit and God spoke 
audibly for people to hear that he was well pleased, God sent him out into the desert to be tempted by Satan himself. But we will be charged up with the power of God so that God can now send us out into the world to see his kingdom expand. If we start out our Christian journey thinking that God is this angry bully, then as soon as temptation and hard, hard times come, we're going to check out because it's not going to be worth it. But if we see God as the one who is empowering us to live, when that temptation comes, he will deliver us and, and give us an, a way of escape. When those tough times do come and we deal with sickness and death, God will empower us to endure with grace and with power. But if we remember, God says, you are my beloved child. In you, I am well pleased. If we will remember to live anointedly as we are to live with the Holy Spirit, then we'll find that God will provide for us. There's a different dimension that God's inviting us to believe in and to, to put our faith into and to empower us. Different dimension. So with that in mind, let's move forward. You ready? God's love challenges the reality that we see when we look out. There are countless ways humans raise up divisions, factions, and prejudices today. Even in our city that boasts of tolerance and acceptance, we see clear violations of people on a daily basis. Some of the prejudices that we deal with are actually responses to prejudice, which is quite ironic. Sometimes we condemn a whole group of people because of the actions of few. The clearest example for me in that would be 9-11, where Muslims almost all over were hated because of the actions of a few terrorists. But Jesus condemns this type of grouping, this typecasting. He condemns prejudice, and his teachings continually point to one race of people, the human race. His Continual teachings point us to the fact of, or a Latin phrase, say this with me, imago Dei. Or repeat after me is what I should have said. Repeat after me, imago Dei. That is a Latin term which means in the image of God, creating the image of God. And as a Christian, we believe that every person is created in the image of God. Now granted, we also believe that every human is in need of redemption to be transformed by the grace of God. But every person is created in the image of God. Will we open up our eyes as God's people to see the beauty and the majesty of what Jesus has done for us? Will we open up our eyes to see God has done something so wonderful for us that He's made it possible, even commanded us, to love the outcast. The people that are difficult to love. The people that we even love to hate. The people that when we think about, we think, oh, the world would be a better place if they were not here. I can think of one group of people right now that I think a lot of you New Yorkers will agree with me on. Anybody ever gotten one of these? <laughs> it stinks to go out and to see this orange ticket 
under your windshield wiper, knowing that you did everything right to follow the laws except this one little detail. You were one quarter short at the parking meter. I don't know of anyone who has maybe a more tougher job than the traffic cop in New York City. I have seen them be yelled at, things thrown at them. And I've seen other people besides me do that. Although I haven't gone that far, I have seen it happen often. And can you imagine the toll it must take on a person to go out day after day knowing that you're about to tick people off and they're going to yell at you and give you everything they got? It's got to take a toll on your life, your physical life even, and your spiritual life. Well, Jesus is going to have an encounter with a guy much like a traffic cop raises emotions for a lot of people, Jesus goes and he meets this guy named Levi, and he's a tax collector. Mark chapter 2, verse 13 and following. So Jesus has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. He's walking with his power, and he's, he's healing people. And he goes out again in verse 13. He says, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And he was passed by, or excuse me, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And then he said to him, follow me. And Levi rose and he followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors like Levi and sinners or Irreligious Jews were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed Jesus. And the scribes and the Pharisees, which are the religious right, if you will, they're, they know the law, they're, they're living up to God's standards as best they see how, and everybody else should be doing as good as them in their eyes. And when they saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So Levi was this tax collector. He functioned more like the Triborough Bridge booth attendant where people go through and they give you a toll. But he was hated a lot like a New York City traffic cop. People couldn't stand him because he stood for this oppressive government that kept taking and taking and taking from them. And it violated them in so many ways they could not stand him. Now, Herod the Great preceded the current rule of the day. He, when he passed away several years before this, he left his kingdom to his three sons. So instead of his kingdom being this one united place, it had now become this one kingdom, so to speak, but with three different sections. So it's like the Triborough Bridge. We go across that from Queens, and we can either go to the Bronx or we can go to Manhattan. 
But no matter which way we go, we're still in the kingdom, so to speak, of New York City. But we pay a toll to cross that border, which is a nice way of saying we pay a tax to cross over the bridge. The same thing was happening. People were going from one place to another, and they were being taxed, and they were being taxed, and they were being taxed. This is what Levi was doing. He was collecting money for this government, and this was the government, remember, that people hated because it oppressed them. It favored certain people over others. We don't know specifically if Levi was pro-government or if he was just working this job because it was the only one he can find. But regardless of his personal beliefs, he took the scorn and he took the hatred of people on a daily basis. And that type of scorn will definitely have an effect on your entire life and your soul. But then there comes Jesus. He comes walking along, and instead of shouting at him, instead of cursing him, he looks at him gently and he says, Levi, follow me. Can you imagine the look of astonishment that must have been on his face as this miracle worker, this proclaimed Messiah, this great man who was drawing all kinds of attention, came up to him, and when everyone else was cursing him and hating him and just would rather the world be without people like him, the Son of Man comes up to him and he says, Levi, follow me. And he followed him. This Jesus looked at him as if he were actually worth something instead of a piece of dirt. Well, you can imagine that this caused quite an outrage with a lot of people. You think Levi ticked off a lot of people. Now Jesus, who's this proclaimed Messiah, which they probably didn't know at this point of the story, but this miracle worker who is Jewish, who's coming along, this guy, for him to sit down with this kind of guy, he should know better. He represents everything that is wrong with this city, Jesus. What are you doing sitting down with this outcast? He is the oppressive government reign on us, and we need to be rid of him instead of inviting them to sit down with dinner or for dinner. But Jesus responds to that criticism, and he says, remember, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician but it is those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus goes away from the actions and he goes to the heart of the matter. And he says the reason behind the action he was taking, he gives the reason. He says, just like the doctor does no good if all he does is go to the country club and hang out with the wealthy and the healthy. The doctor for him to do good needs to go and he needs to associate with people who are sick. They are the ones who need healing. And ultimately, The same thing applies for the gospel. The gospel does no good unless it is interacting with those who need it. Jesus was bringing healing to Israel, but he was also bringing healing to the whole world. He was going to face opposition that was fierce, and this opposition would ultimately be the opposition that sent him to his death by way of crucifixion. Outcasts. It was easier for them to write off certain people as just a lost cause. You know what? Forget about them. 
We just need to eradicate the world of them. Write them off. But you see, that's not the heart of God. God loves outcasts. Every person that is created, every person living has hope because of what Jesus Christ has done. As followers and believers of Christ, there is no room in our hearts, no room in our lives to write off anyone and condemn them because their sin is greater than ours. And there's one reason why. It's because their sin isn't greater than ours. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 clearly shows us, it says this, it says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. God tells us that all people are sick. Everyone is in need of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So unless we see ourselves in need of Jesus, just like Levi was in need of Him, or the traffic cop is in need of grace, unless we see our need the same as the outcasts of our society, then we will be guilty of turning our backs on the grace of God. And instead of turning to His healing, life-giving grace, we will turn to idolatry and we will worship our good works and we will elevate ourselves wrongly above others. We are the sick. But when we are baptized into Jesus, listen, that sick man dies. The old sick person is dead when we are baptized into Christ. We are born again to a new reality that allows us to live like Jesus lived. He said, we talked about last week or the week before, that He will do even greater things than us. And to love loud the outcasts of society and to not care what other people think of us because we're associating with the lowly. So much of what we do is motivated by what others are going to think of us. The way we dress, the earrings we're going to wear, the dress we're going to wear, the high heels. I don't wear any of those because I don't care what people think. But a lot of what we do is so motivated by what others are going to think. I really want to do this, but I wonder what they're going to think if I do this. How about let's crucify that idol of making others our standard? How about let's get rid of that idol today and let's start loving the way Jesus loved Levi? How about let's love the traffic cop here in New York? How about we love the outcasts, outcast of society that the world wants to throw away, realizing that when we are loving them, we're also loving ourselves, and we're also loving Jesus. So this orange ticket, I hope you don't get many of these, because they add up. But as you walk around our city, you're going to see a lot of these. So from this point forward, I am claiming these as God's envelope. Every time you see this envelope, you will be reminded to love loud. I'm going to say, what does this remind you of? And I want you to say love loud. You ready? What does this remind you of? God wants you to love loud. He wants you to love the traffic cop that wrote this because they have a quota they have to meet. 
He wants you to love loud the person that's going to receive the ticket because they might not have the money to pay it. He wants you to love loud the outcasts of this city. He wants us to see that there is a reality behind our perceived reality. That God is working and He is doing things that we can't see. Sometimes we can't see anything but this orange ticket. But God is moving in ways that we cannot see. And so if we're not living spiritually, if we're not being anointed by God's Holy Spirit, we are going to miss opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to love loud because we are so focused on here and now. But God's love extends to everyone regardless of public perception, regardless of skin color, regardless of ancestry, regardless of how we speak or whether we can or cannot speak. Impossible, uh, in any other difference, it is there regardless. He is working among us now, and God wants us to pray this way, like He taught us. He wants us to pray, Thy kingdom come and Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is being done in this heaven, this reality. And God wants us to pray for it to happen here. And He also wants us to pray this prayer. Look with me in John chapter 17. This is actually a prayer that Jesus was praying. And in verse 15, He says this. He says, I do not ask, Father, that You take them out of this world. I don't want You to take them out of the world. But I want You to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But sanctify them. Set them apart in your truth. Father, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them. He's talking about the disciples. I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. And now Jesus prays for you and me right here. He says, I do not ask for these only, these ones I have physically sent out right now, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That is us. We believe today because God has chosen people to protect His gospel message from generation to generation. That they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. When the world sees all of Christ's followers, not certain groups of His followers, but when the world sees all of God's followers united as one, then God gets the glory. And the world will see that Jesus is true. In Tim Keller's book, the meaning of marriage. I've gone through it a few times now because I'm really dense and I just can't get it. <laughs> Thank you for laughing, Larry. But in his book, the, the Meaning of Marriage, he says this. He says, 
Jesus didn't love us because we were lovely, but He loved us to make us lovely. Jesus didn't love us because we were so lovely to Him. He didn't look down at the cross and say, oh, those of you who are crucifying me, you're so beautiful to me right now. It's absurd. He loved us in order to make us lovely. Loving loud means that we're loving the outcast. Loving the outcast means that we love ourselves even. But check this out. Jesus loved loud by becoming the ultimate outcast. Jesus loved loud by becoming the ultimate outcast. Because He became the ultimate outcast, His resurrection ensures that all who believe on Him will be welcomed into the family of God. If that's not enough for you to love loud this week, we need to talk some more. Because that is powerful. Let's take the love of God and let's go outside these walls and let's look for reminders in our lives that God is working and that this is His kingdom that is coming and that He wants us to be His agents of love right here, right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You and we praise You that You are a God who is consistently, constantly pouring out grace and love onto a people who don't give You and don't honor You enough in their lives. We really should be living a life that just totally praises the name of Jesus because God, You have loved us in ways that we just cannot fathom at this point. But Lord, I pray that we would have such a a strong experience of Your love today that You would empower us by Your Holy Spirit to go out and to love the outcast. God, that You would not allow us to fall prey to the lie that we are better than anyone else or that we are more deserving because of our actions because that is the opposite of what grace means. God, You loved us to make us lovely. And so give us your power to love the way Jesus did, authentically, to go out and to love people, not because they are lovely, but because your love will make them lovely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we'll enter a time of response. And as we hear the word of God preached, and as Jesus prayed at the end of that prayer in John 17, that we would be sanctified in truth. Know that hearing these words from the authority of God's word is to sanctify us in truth, that we have been set apart and taught tonight the truth. And that is that Jesus came to make us lovely and his will coming in our lives makes Astoria a more lovely place or a better place to live. And that all happens by us loving the outcast. So tonight, I want to ask you to ask yourself a question. Who is my Levi? As Jesus walked through that busy toll booth, he singled out one tax collector, one outcast, 
There were many there, but there was one who on that day, probably as he prayed to the Father in the morning, in the darkness, as he did every day, God told him, that's who I want you to make an impact on today. So I want to invite you to spend a few moments in prayer. As we sing this song, uh, Winter will be standing up here. I'll be standing over on this side. If you would like to say that name to someone, kind of hold yourself accountable by saying, God has told me that this is the person who I am called to love this week. Maybe they have a name, or maybe you just know that it's going to be a coworker, or maybe you know it's going to be your family, or your neighbor, or your landlord, or the parking cop that you cussed out last week. Ask yourself the question, who is my Levi this week? And then be challenged by the Holy Spirit to be empowered and to go and love loudly. So there are prayer pads up here if you would like to kneel before the Lord to ask him that question. If you'd like to lay down some burdens or confess sin, please feel free to do that during this time. But as we stand and as we sing after I pray, be thinking toward God and praying, who is my Levi? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us such a great opportunity, such a in such an important responsibility and such a, a monumental task and that's to love the outcast not with a normal everyday easy kind of love not with a neighborly kind of love or even a family kind of love father you have called us to love loud to love by the power of your holy spirit the outcast. Reveal to each and every one of us tonight the outcast who is our Levi, who you are calling us to personify the gospel to tonight, tomorrow, and this week. And then challenge us, Lord, to step out in faith, be powered by the Holy Spirit, to love loud that outcast this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can stand and let's sing, and I invite you to respond as God has called you.